Well, good evening, everyone. Can I get this left side light up just a little bit? My eyes are not that great. We'll see when that comes. Our opening verse um, this evening was from John. And the first four Gospels, or the first four books of the New Testament, the four Gospels that begin, they're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're retellings of the same story from four perspectives, from different authors and even intended in some degree for different audiences. And each of those Gospels begin in their own way in, you can go even a little higher if you want to, sorry. <laughs> I'll print this bigger next week, next year. Um, each of the four Gospels begin in their own way with some mention of, well, that's good, yep, uh, some mention of the Advent. And um, they begin by telling us that Jesus has arrived. Now, the Gospel of John does not begin with a genealogy. And it does not begin with a story of the nativity of Joseph and Mary, the way that Luke and Matthew do. Um, it doesn't begin with a prophecy the way that Mark does. John, in his gospel, takes us farther back. He wants to go farther back than all of that. And he goes all the way back to the beginning. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, did I just say that twice? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So I promised this morning that I would just preach on one verse and one word. And I know that some of you that were here this morning are saying, that's no fair, that's four verses. That's not the verse, okay? This is just the warm-up to the verse that's coming. <laughs> this is just to get us into the frame of reference of the verse that is to come. And what frame of reference we need here is that God was in the beginning. Before creation, as the first verse of Genesis tells us, that God was there and the Spirit was over the waters. And that the Word was with God, John says. The Word was God. Only God creates. And all of creation was created through the Word, is what John says here. The Word that was with God and the Word that was God. This is important. And the Word was life. And the Word was light. Now we can slip down to verse 14, which is our verse. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's our sentence, and our word is dwelt. God, who was creator, and the word who was God and is God, and created with God, dwelt among us. Now, in the common Greek, which John wrote in, the word translated as dwelt for us is skino. Can everybody say skino? Okay, just the kids now. If you're under 12, can you say skino? Very good. What skino means is to set up a tent. 
So when it says that God came and dwelt with us, it says he set up a tent. That's the literal translation. Now, how many, and I'll ask the kids again, if you are under the age of 12, again, here tonight, raise your hand if you have ever set up a tent. Have you set up a tent? Anybody? I'll even count a tent in your bedroom or the living room with blankets. You've set up a tent. Good. Thank you for that. Now, why do people set up a tent, kids? Anybody know? To make shelter, exactly. Why else would you set up a tent? Yeah, shelter, yes. So we go camping, we need a place to stay, right? We, we set up a tent because we intend to stay someplace, temporarily at least. So if you're hiking in the woods and you see a tent in the woods, you think somebody intends to dwell here. Somebody intends to stay here, not permanently because it's a tent, but they intend to stay here for some time. And so this idea of dwelling in a tent kind of gets into our head here from what John has written. And that's why in English they translate the word dwell or stay or lived because you set up a tent because you want to dwell or you want to live there. So John says this incredible thing, that the creator of the world, the word, the light and the life, when God became human and took on human form in Jesus, he was setting up a place to live with us and in the place where we are, not in his home, we set up tents to live somewhere else. And that's what Jesus did. He set up a tent in his earthly body to dwell amongst us. Now there's Still on just this one word, that word dwelt or skeno. Can you say skeno again? Skeno. Good. That's Greek. You've just learned some Greek. It's also translated in another way because the Bible isn't just written in Greek. It's also written in the Old Testament in Hebrew. And so if you were to take the Hebrew word that John translated into Greek for us, in its Hebrew form, we translate dwelt in Hebrew as tabernacled. That's a weird word. We don't say tabernacle very often, so I'll have you all do it. Can you all say tabernacled? Tabernacled. Excellent. Now just the kids. Excellent. Tabernacled. It's a fun word, isn't it? Tabernacled. So we have skeno. We have tabernacled. And so if we were to use that word, as some translations do in John's sentence, his sentence goes like this. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, when John writes that sentence, he's writing mainly to other Jewish people, like himself. And he knows that by using that word, a whole bunch of information is going to flow into the minds of most of his listeners. Because they know this word, and they know exactly what this word means and all of its significance. Way before Jesus came as a baby to set up the tent of his body, to set up his dwelling with us, God had set up a tent with his people Israel in the middle of their journey. Hundreds of thousands of God's people who he rescued from Egypt 
and was leading through the desert towards a promised land in that temporary time between being rescued from Egypt and arriving in the promised land which was given to them, God prepared a tent. And God stayed with them in a tent called the tabernacle. And, and this is the very simple model of it here. It was large and it had many layers, different rooms, and the Ark of the Covenant of God's law was there inside of it, the Ark of the Covenant. You know, many of you will know that Harrison Ford went after that in a movie. And, and so this Ark was kept in the tabernacle and God dwelt among the midst of his people in the tabernacle. So when John writes that the word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled with us. He knows exactly what he's saying. John says, here's our God coming to us again, who has been silent for 400 years. And he's coming amongst his people again. And the word has become flesh, a tabernacle, a tent in our midst. In this temporary time of our journey between our rescuing and our coming into the promised eternal life. When we need to be rescued from the world, when we need to be led into the promise and hope and peace and shalom of God, God has come to dwell among us, to be with us, as he leads us out of the darkness of the desert of the world and into the light and the life of eternity with him. John knows that's exactly what he's saying. He knows tabernacled is going to ring all of these bells in the minds of his listeners. Now, it gets even just a little bit better. Pretty much all of John's readers would also understand completely the significance of God's coming in a tabernacle to be with his people. Okay, everybody would get that. Kids, you understand that now, that God came in a tent to dwell where he doesn't normally dwell, to dwell temporarily with us in this tent of his body as a human But there's more. Many of the people would also remember that this tabernacle, Jesus, is a descendant of King David. And they would also remember that God promised to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 something about his tabernacle. This whole tabernacle thing just keeps coming up in the line of David. So you see, God had fulfilled his promises and he had led Israel into the promised land. And they set up the tabernacle in a permanent Situation, but it was still a tent. And King David was very successful. Israel was successful. He had armies and he had houses and he had palaces. But the tabernacle was still just a tent. And in 2 Samuel, King David says, This isn't right. I'm living in a palace and we are worshiping God in a tent. I have all these palaces and God is still living in this temporary thing. So he says to his friend Nathan, this, this can't stand. I'm going to build God a proper palace. I'm going to build God a temple. That's a good heart. That's very good intentions from David. He had the right heart. But God comes to Nathan and says, Nathan, tell David, I don't want him to build me a temple. I never once asked my people ever to build me a temple. And he doesn't need to build my house. Instead, God turns the tables on David. He says to Nathan, he says, tell David this, that I'm actually going to build his house, the house of David, meaning the kingly line of David will produce an offspring who will build a kingdom that will last forever. 
So here's, here's King David worried that God is living in this tent temporarily, and he's like, I'm going to build you a palace. And God says, I never asked you to build me a palace. I never asked you to build me a temple. In fact, forget about the temple. I'm going to build your house, and your house is going to come. I'm going to build another tabernacle. I'm going to build a tent of my own, and it is going to last forever when I establish that kingdom. God came to dwell with us in our flesh. He took on the tent of our body so that he could dwell with us in our midst and lead us out of our desert. And so when John uses that word dwelt or tented or tabernacled in reference to the arrival of Jesus, it is not an accident at all. That word is very intentional. And we should understand the meaning of that word. When Jesus came and dwelt among us, he was in the tent of his first body only for a short time. Just a little over 30 years, Jesus dwelt in the tent of that body. When he came and he tabernacled amongst us, he was doing just what his father had done, dwelling in the midst of his people. God dwelt in our flesh. The word became flesh. The light lived in us and in our skin. But Jesus had no intention of limiting himself to just that temporary tent standing beside the temple in Jerusalem just weeks before his sacrifice on the cross. Jesus told all those who opposed him and all those who were following him. He said to them, he said, tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And they all thought he was crazy because they thought he was talking about the temple. But he wasn't. He was talking about the tabernacle. He was talking about the dwelling of God with us. He said, tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. I will be living again in three days. The tabernacle of his flesh. After he died for our sins, Jesus was raised to prove the promises of the Father. That Jesus had accomplished all that was required. And now there's just this one last amazing thing. Jesus was not raised up into his temporary earthly body. Jesus was raised as the first person, the first fruits, the Bible says. He is the first fruits of all who will receive the perfect eternal body our resurrected body. Jesus was raised into an imperishable body that is perfected and able to dwell forever with God. His body is the first version of what our bodies will become. The Apostle Paul writes many years later after Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, while we were still in this tent, we groan. Anybody here groan in the tent that they're wearing right now? Paul says, I get it. I mean, he was shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned. Paul groaned a lot. He had lots of reasons to groan. We groan while we're in this tent. He says, while we are in this tent, we groan, feeling burdened. Not that we want to be rid of our bodies, but that we would receive fuller bodies. He actually says, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be fully clothed in fuller bodies. So that what is temporary may be completely replaced with eternal life. In 2 Corinthians 5. So John wants you to be caught up in the wider meaning of what it is that the word dwelt with us. The word tabernacled with us. The wonder of what God has done in Jesus dwelling in our midst, in our earthly tent. And John wants us to worship just as God's people worshipped at the tabernacle and worshipped at the temple. We worship the risen Savior whose kingdom is forever. John wants you to know who Jesus really is and what we celebrate here, what we behold when we behold the child in the manger. 
Christ is God dwelling with us. He is light and life. John wants you to know Jesus for who he is because many of us do not. Many of us just look at the baby in the manger and we think this is a great tradition and we don't really get the significance of what has taken place here on this night. John wants you to worship him because that is what we were made for, to worship in the presence of our king. So that's one verse, one word, tabernacled. Just remember that one. God dwelling with us and the eternal life that he brought. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that this is true, that you have always intended from the days you walked in the Garden of Eden to dwell amongst your people. Communion with us is your heart's desire as hard for that is for us to imagine. And you tabernacled amongst your people Israel in the literal tent of meeting. And you tabernacled with us in Jesus Christ, your son, when he was here. And you tabernacle with us now by Christ's spirit that is in all who know you. And so, Father, we just give you praise this evening that this has been your plan from the beginning and it's come to fruition and we celebrate the fruition of it in your son who came to dwell with us in our midst and to lead us to you. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.